Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson, Steve Carney, and Mike Lovell. It's 2022, and it's also college football season. Yards and Stripes are home for Service Academy Football. I am Price Atkinson, the host of this show, actually co-host again this year, is I'm joined by a couple of new faces, but voices you'll hear, Mike Lovell and Steve Carney. We're going to be a team. We're going to bring this one to you together all season. Army, Navy, and Air Force, part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. And you can find us on social media at Yards and Stripes on Twitter and Facebook. As we've done this for this will now be season five, your home for Service Academy football, everything, Army, Navy, and Air Force. We're running it back and doing it one more time. But without further ado, let me get my guys in here, Mike Lovell and Steve Carney. The family, the Arts and Stripes family has expanded, gentlemen. Welcome in and appreciate you being a part of this season with Army, Navy, and Air Force, guys. Price, it's a pleasure. Yeah, it's absolutely great to be here with you, Price. I'm really excited for this season. I'm excited because we've got a couple of teams in Army and Air Force expectations. Again, high. Navy, where does Navy go after a couple of down seasons? We will talk a little bit about that. We will actually talk a lot about these teams as we kind of get, get the you know skids greased for each of the three. We've got season openers, everything going to take place this Saturday in our first opening weekend of college football. I'm not going to talk about week zero. As far as I'm concerned, week one is what it's all about because that's where our three teams will be hitting the field, all three on Saturday. And guys, let's just go ahead and dive right into it. Let's get to the Army Black Knights because Army back on top of Service Academy football. They obviously last year, the Commander-in-Chief Trophy a one, one, and one, basically a round robin split. Army retains the trophy despite the loss uh, to Navy in the season finale, at least the regular season finale for the Black Knights. Expectations are high. The same kind of Army schedule, very mediocre, but it's one that Jeff Munkin and his team have really built the momentum on. Playing, you know, a lot of those one double A teams get that get the momentum going, get the winning feeling in a young team being able to recruit, being able to sell the program with those tangible results. And here we go, Army, uh, getting ready to open the season against Coastal. We'll get to the openers and kind of talk about these teams and their opening games. But as far as Army goes, you know, guys, uh, it's hard not to think of them as the favorite once again when it comes to this Commander-in-Chief trophy in 2022. Well, certainly I think Army's had a great run here. Uh, Jeff Munkin's got nine nine wins or more in four of the past seasons. Four, I'm sorry, four of the past five seasons. Uh, and like you said, re, re, retaining the Commanders and uh, Commanders and Chiefs Trophy. Uh, but 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 I don't know. I don't know that Army's the favorite. Air Force looks really good, but Army is certainly coming into the to the season uh, on a roll. Nine wins, like I said, or more in four of their past five seasons. Yeah, and for me, uh, I look at I look at the Black Knights and. You know, you mentioned that they kind of built what is a mediocre schedule. I don't see it as as mediocre as in years past. I actually think mm-hmm. they have five games that really intrigue me this year on top of the Coastal game. And I know we'll get into uh, the, uh, I, I believe they're the Chanticleers or something uh, here in just a little bit. Um, 
but on, on top of coastal, they're going to go uh, to Wake Forest this year, which uh, we all know what happened last year when the Demon Deacons came up to West Point it was not pretty. Uh, but yeah. they'll they'll look to try and uh, get a little a measure of revenge there. And on top of the other two Commander in Chief uh, trophy games, uh, the the other game that kind of interests me is seeing Georgia State. Um, who has had a, a good couple of years in the Sun Belt Conference come up to Mikey Stadium for a matchup? Mm-hmm. This I think would be inter- would be more interesting if if the Knights were going to Atlanta and playing in the old Turner Field, but uh, this one being in West Point I think is a winnable matchup for them. So I think that that's a that's a much stronger uh, schedule than a lot of people will give uh, Coach Munkin and uh, the re- and the uh, the athletic department credit for. I, th- I think that's that's five really strong opponents that you can kind of base things on. And I think the way that they play in those five games is going to show you just how strong of a team they're going to be this year. Steve, I agree with you. I'll just throw one more out there. UTSA is a program that looks like it's got its legs under it. Uh, they spent some time in the top 25 last year, and they have a dynamic playmaker quarterback. I actually think there are six quality opponent, opponents on Army's schedule this year and I think as the the landscape of college football continues to shift not knowing what's coming forward I think Army has to make a step forward into um, step forward into solidifying its schedule a little bit uh, to to prepare itself for what comes in the next two three four five years in the changing landscape of college football I think they've done that with this schedule uh, this year I agree with you Steve I think it's a little bit tougher than it has been in the past yeah UTSA is going to be a little different though having Frank Harris but they're going to be without sincere McCormick and uh, their offensive coordinator, Barry Lundy Jr., last year has moved on. Uh, going to West Point from San Antonio uh, should, be, should be very interesting for them. I think that Certainly. the two, two toughest games for Army, I know that there's a number right next to Wake Forest to the left. You know, losing Sam Hartman, I don't know if they're quite the top 25 team. I honestly think that it's the two toughest games that Army's going to have this year is their opener at Coastal and then Air Force uh, on the neutral field. I think that's going to be the two toughest games they play all season. Um, Jeff Munkin beginning his ninth season, 58-43 and 43 at West Point. Uh, again, we mentioned 9-4 and four last year, beat Missouri in the Armed Forces Bowl. This is a team that lost 27 seniors, and really kind of the heart, the middle, is where they take a big hit, especially on defense, up the middle on their defensive line, um, at linebacker. But, guys, dare I say it, might this be an Army team that when you hear and talk about Army from start to finish, could this be a team led by the defense? And I'm saying that because they've got a guy in inside or outside linebacker, Andre Carter the second, folks. If you have not seen this guy, 6'7", 260 pounds. He's Army's first, first team preseason All-American in over 30 years. Last year he had uh, 44, uh, 18 and a half tackles for a loss. 15 and a half sacks, 44 total tackles, you know, in, in that front seven, he is going to be the leader uh, that is not super experienced, but everybody is talking about this guy, Andre Carter, the outside linebacker. He'll line up at linebacker. He'll at, line up at uh, rush end. This guy is nasty. He's not a guy. It's six, seven and two sixty. You do not see these guys every day growing on trees at a service Academy guys. This guy is special. Yeah, I think I think he's probably going to end up being the most do, uh, dynamic player we will see in the service academies this year. Uh, you mentioned all of the all all of the 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 tangibles that you see. You know, six seven two sixty is a monster. 
Uh, and he's going he's gonna to overpower a lot of those undersized offensive linemen that both Air Force and Navy have. Um, I, was, I was looking this up because I was really interested. And we talked about this before we, before we started taping the podcast about Carter being a legitimate top NFL prospect. And I went back yep. and looked. Army has not had a player drafted by an NFL team since 2008. And if he somehow makes it into the first round, he would be the first first-round pick for an Army player in the NFL since Tex Coulter in 1947. I'm, that's that's an incredible. How how long ago was that? My mother wasn't even born then, <laughs> so that's been, it's been a long time since an Army player has been taken in the first round of an NFL draft, and he's got all of the. All of the, you know, as Mel Kuyper Jr. likes to say, the size, the strength, and the agility to make it happen. And so I, I'm really excited to, to watch the Knights this year, uh, and especially this first game against Coastal, uh, and, and, sh- and watch Andre Carter show the rest of the college football world that he means business. Like that's, Steve, that's, that's, that's going that's going back to like the Doc Blanchard. I mean, that's going back yeah. to Doc Blanchard, Glenn Davis. I mean, that's talking Glenn like Davis, the Glenn golden Davis era taken. of Army football. Yeah, Glenn Davis yeah, was taken Army in actually, the same draft. Yeah. Army actually had two players taken in the first uh, round that year, and then one player taken in the first round in the year before that. But yeah, Andre Carter is uh, a fantastic athlete. I think uh, pass rate success of thirty seven point seven for for those of you who are into. The advanced analytics last year, tops in the nation. Um, like you said, 6'7", 260 price. So he's got that wingspan that NFL uh, scouts love to see at the outside linebacker uh, or, or pass rush in in a 3-4 uh, system. Uh, that's where he projects to is the uh, weak side pass rush on the 3-4. Uh, I, I don't know uh, if he'll be a first-round pick uh, in – not because of who he is, but I think there's going to be a lot of outside linebackers coming out this year. Nolan Smith from Georgia is a senior. I think B.J. O'Leary from LSU will come out. Uh, will Anderson Jr. from Alabama, you, you would expect him to come out. So, you know, it is a it, are four outside linebackers going to be taken in the first round of the draft? I, I don't know. It's going to be a crowded field for the outside linebackers in the draft this year. I think the one area, when you're talking about All-Americans and first-round draft picks, you, you kind of start talking about, you know, where they can improve they're still really good. But one of the areas where he can improve is because he has that reach on the, uh, on the run defense. Once, once the offensive linemen get into him driving off, uh, sometimes he has a hard time getting out just because he's so tall, uh, so tall there at six, seven. Uh, that, that's really the only weakness uh, from his scouting assessment right now across the board. Um, certainly, certainly he projects right now into a second or third round or potentially first round pick. Uh, if, if he has a really good season, Steve talked earlier about the increased uh, strength of the schedule. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll have a, a pass heavy coastal team. Uh, Sam Hartman may be back for Wake Forest uh, by the time Army goes down there. So we'll have a uh, probably a pass heavy Wake Forest team uh, to, to, to get his pass rush on. Uh, and then he'll, he'll get to be, he'll get to put plenty of run defense on film for the pro scouts uh, in the second half of the season going against obviously Air Force and Navy as well. So he'll, he'll have a chance to put himself in that category. The one reason why I don't think he'll go in the first round is you, you're basically taking, trying to, as best as you can, take a surefire thing with your first round pick. In the academy, the military element, 
there are always so many different variables and the variables oftentimes change. And I know it sometimes changes depending on whether you're, you know, at the Naval Academy, you're at Army. A lot of times it's been a moving goalpost and a lot of it, it depends on, you know, who the commander in chief is and what, what kind of policies are in place to allow Academy athletes to come and play pro sports. I just don't know with some of those moving goalposts that Academy athletes come with, unfortunately, um, that they're, that it will be a surefire thing that he goes in the first round. I don't think he'll go much later than the second round though. Um, especially if he puts up the kind of numbers he did last year and has done, uh, so far during his career. Um, let's talk offense guys real quick, because obviously the triple option the staple of Jeff Munkin's team, Ty here, Tyler, main guy turning at quarterback. Um, he's got a lot of weapons around, um, especially seniors. Um, you know, They've been blessed at quarterback to have, honestly, and I said it last year on our podcast several times, I think probably the top three guys, you know, especially like at Navy and maybe even Air Force, I think those other programs would have loved to have maybe have had anywhere from two to three of the guys that, that Army was running out there because, you know, in the triple option, you're going to have a quarterback that's going to take a lot of hits and a lot of shots. And going through a full season with the same guy under center, it's very, very difficult running that kind of offense. But Ty here, Tyler's going to be the guy. He's going to be backed up by a couple seniors in Cade Ballard and Jamel Jones. But Tyler's a guy that's done it before, and he's going to be the main guy under center again, guys, especially with help around him and Jacoby Buchanan at fullback. He's a big boy. I mean, you look at both uh, Buchanan and, and also Tyson Riley. Uh, you know, Buchanan's 260, and I think Tyson Riley is over 250 pounds now. Uh, those those guys uh, certainly know how to plow the road, uh, so to speak. So, it's, like you mentioned, there's going to be uh, a lot of, you know, all these teams that are going to play the service academy football teams, you know what you're going to get. Coastal knows what they're going to get here mm-hmm. on Saturday, uh, and it's going to be a healthy dose of some big, big men running their football down their throat and can they handle it? Yeah. Yeah. Both, uh, both Riley and Buchanan are both 260. I, the, the stat I love about Jacoby Buchanan is he's never uh, recorded a four loss rush in his entire career. That's uh, when you run that three yards in a cloud of dust where you, where you're willing to run it on fourth and one, that that's a tremendous asset to know you got a guy that's never had a four loss rush in his career. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt when you've got a senior uh, co- or a center and a co-captain in Connor Bishop who's on the Outland Trophy watch list that's going to be kind of leading the way up the middle uh, with handing it off to your quarterback and Tyler that's experienced, been around for a while, and then Buchanan at fullback. He's a battering ram. One of the guys that brings this, uh, this offense uh, a different dimension, and he announced a, a transfer not long after the season ended but decided he's going to come back to Army as wide receiver Isaiah Alston. Kind of like Andre Carter, I mean, a 6'4 wide receiver. He's a sophomore, 22 catches, 449 yards, and three touchdowns. Guys, it doesn't sound like a whole lot, especially when you talk about these NCAA offenses like Paul Johnson used to call it, where, you know, every team just wants to throw it around all over the yard. But 22 catches for 449 yards and three touchdowns, in an option option offense, especially at 6'4", that's a lot. This guy on the outside – he could have transferred and gone to a lot of places and played right away, but he decided to stay home. That is a big recruiting get to keep him on this uh, on this Army team for Jeff Munkin uh, and company offensively. Yeah, I would I would compare him kind of. And speaking of Paul Johnson, 
you know, when, when Paul Johnson was at Georgia Tech running the option, he had Calvin Johnson on the, on the outside, and you have Megatron out there. I, yeah. I don't know if I would compare him to Megatron, but he's going to be the same sort of distraction for teams out there when, when you're going, okay, do I, do I want to try and crowd the box and, and try and get some of these, uh, these battering rams uh, down these 250, 260-pound fullbacks or, and, and try and leave a, a, a cornerback or, God forbid, a safety one-on-one uh, out, out with a guy that's six foot four. It could be, could be very interesting to watch. I think it'll be interesting to see how Jeff Munkin uh, utilizes uh, Austin in the offense this year. He has shown a willingness to, to change up the flex bone a little bit, to throw in a new wrinkle here, throw in a new wrinkle mm-hmm. there, to play the talent in the last few years. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see if they do uh, potentially put more pass specific plays in as, as opposed to the, to the drop back after the first option. Uh, to see if they go with a couple of shotgun snaps and look at pass first options out of that offense. It's going to be interesting to see if he does that um, w- with the talent he has out there. But on that, uh, to, you know, Tyre, Tyre, Ty, uh, I'm sorry, Tyre Tyler is going to have to improve his passing game. He was not, uh, he was not the quarterback of choice when the, when, when the, when the situation dictated pass last year. So, so they're going to have to do two things there. They're going to have to one, uh, Tyler's got to be better at throwing the ball. And then two, they're going to have to scheme, Austin to uh, to get a few more plays his direction. All right, Army second in the country last year in rushing yards per game. Behind Air Force is 280 yards per game. Will that be the case again? We're going to talk about Air Force and Navy coming up here in the next segment. Stick with us. Yards and Stripes are home for Service Academy football. Price Atkinson joined by Mike Lovell and Steve Carney. We'll be right back here on Yards and Stripes previewing, previewing the upcoming season. We're going to talk Air Force and Navy next here on Yards and Stripes. It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here once again are Price, Steve, and Mike. Can Air Force pull it off and return to the top of Service Academy football and capture that Commander-in-Chief trophy? We'll soon find out. But right now, guys, The Falcons are, in a lot of ways, the toast of the town. A lot of folks think that this Air Force team is going to be favored in every single game that they're going to play. They're picked second in the Mountain Division of the Mountain West Conference. Troy Calhoun's team getting a lot of preseason love coming off that 10-3 and season with a win in the First Responders Bowl over the Louisville Cardinals last season. Guys, what do you make of this Air Force team that a lot of people are really, really hyping up out of the Mountain West Conference? Well, I, I look at I look at Air Force, and uh, they are, as, as you mentioned, the the toast uh, of the Mountain West right now. I I was looking uh, at the at the Mountain West uh, Conference here uh, earlier this week, and. Uh, I think, and you look at their uh, their ESPN strength. Uh, you you know both Army mm-hmm. and Air Force are are actually very very close uh, in in rankings. They're right smack dab uh, in the middle, which I think is really good for uh, a team one that's an independent, and and then of course Air Force being in the Mountain West, they are. That I think one of the stronger teams in that conference, and I think that uh, Troy Calhoun and company 
should have the expectations on them on themselves. Uh, you know, I, there's going to be plenty of expectations from outside uh, of the locker room, but I know that inside that locker room, that coach Calhoun is going to have his guys thinking, okay, we have everything uh, that it takes to get to a mountain West conference championship this year. And, and if they can do that, then they could be in line for a, a much stronger bowl game. I'm not saying that they're going to end up in the sugar bowl, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or the, or the fiesta bowl, but yeah. I could, I could see them being one of those teams, uh, especially uh, for the, for the bowls that are out in out West, you know, like the sun bowl, uh, you know, the, the poinsettia bowl in, in San Diego. Uh, I look at, at some of those bowl games and think that, you know, if there's if there's an opening because a power five conference team is not going to be in there because a they haven't they don't have enough wins to qualify or whatnot, that Air Force is going to be one of those teams that uh, that bowl chairmen and, and bowl committees are going to be scrambling for and, and, mm-hmm. and clawing all over themselves to try and invite because you've got a fantastic group of kids. You know, they're all, you know, obviously they're service academy kids. So they're all smart. You know, they're not going to be the type that get in trouble by my missing curfew and being out late partying. And they're going to bring, they're going to bring a very interesting brand of football to their bowl games. Mike, Air Force for their first five games this season at home, including the Naval Academy. They're only playing four true road games. And oh yeah, they, they're going to have Colorado coming to, the Springs for the first time, I think that I saw since the 70s or early, the late 70s, the Buffs come to town. And not only that, uh, Colorado State, the Rams, they'll play for that Ram Falcon trophy. That one also going to be at Falcon Stadium. Boy, a whole lot to be excited about. Of course, obviously the Army game going to be played on a neutral site there in Texas once again. Uh, the way the schedule sets up too, you know you're going to play some shootouts, Mike, in the Mountain West. Uh, Air Force was there ready for the challenge last year, especially with a much improved defense. They're going to have a new defensive coordinator this year. But, boy, on, on paper, even though Hazit Daniels and Brad Roberts on offense, we don't know how long they're going to be out because they had knee surgery early in the year, not quite ready yet. Boy, there's a lot to like about this Air Force team, Mike. Yeah, you re- return a lot of talent, like you said, Hazit Daniels and Brad Roberts. You mentioned those two guys. I was at that Army game. Uh, with Air Force in Arlington last year, I, I, I'll tell you, Brad Roberts looked when when I when I watched him play, reminded me a lot of Christian McCaffrey. Uh, just this the style, maybe not the maybe not the total amount of talent, but the style, compact, strong, and could move for his size. Uh, very mm-hmm. shifty. Uh, he had almost 1,400 yards last year. Daniels uh, was able to pass for 1,200 yards. So so that that's a well-rounded offense out there. Coach Calhoun always has that team well-rounded. They also returned seven starters on defense. I, I think my, the one question mark for me for the Air Force team is special teams. Um, they kind of struggled on special teams last year, uh, which was uh, which is not normal for that team. Uh, they'll they'll have to they'll have to you know when you when you run uh, when you when you when you play in a conference like the Mountain West where there's a lot a lot of good teams, uh, Boise State, San Diego State. Uh, you you got to win all three facets if you want to win. 10 games like they did last year. So I think really the one question mark for me is special teams. We'll see if they can fix that from, from a less than stellar year last year. I think, uh, I, I think 
The only game they will not be favored in uh, is the last game of the season when they go on the road to San Diego State. I, I think they've lost nine games in a row, plus they'll be laying three to the home team at San Diego State. They get Boise at home, uh, so you'll, you'll, you'll get three there. Um, depending on what Colorado looks like week one, maybe, uh, maybe not. But, but right now, as I look at that schedule, I, I think you're right. Uh, getting uh, getting Boise at home, the only game I think they might not be favored in is at San Diego State, uh, November 26th, last week of the season, after losing I think nine straight to San Diego State. Yeah, I think the other the other game that's going to be difficult is going um, to Utah State. Um, yeah, playing in Ogden is going to be it's going to be difficult, uh, especially because I believe that one is later on in the year. Um, it's it's in the middle of their the middle of their season, so. It can be it can be kind of kind of chilly uh, there <laughs> during uh, if 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 it's uh, if it's later on in the year. So we'll see what that what happens there. But yeah, I think San Diego State, Utah State is going to be the the other team that they they may have uh, they may have struggles with. I know Mike mentioned the uh, the special teams. For me, I, I think that the big question is going to be in those shootouts. Can they get enough pressure on the quarterback? Because Let's face it, uh, the air, the Falcons' defensive line, it's not very big. You know, you look at it, it it's anchored uh, by um, Herrera, who is, what is he, like 250 pounds maybe? Uh, well, maybe a little higher than that. Maybe maybe he's closer to 275, yeah. 280. But, but, but you look at it, Christopher Herrera is going to be the guy in the middle of that, in the middle of that defensive line. And... The, the rest of the guys are going to be smaller than that. So, it, you know, if you've got some of these teams with big offensive linemen, it might be difficult to get a lot of pressure on quarterbacks, and that's going to lead to a lot of pressure on the Falcons' secondary. So I think they need to get pressure on the, on the quarterback, and I think that's going to be difficult in some of those shootout games. And it will be key because Jordan Jackson, defensive end, a six-round pick in the NFL draft this past spring, and then two guys they've lost in the secondary, Trey Bug, and Corbin Taylor's safety, who might be as big of a loss as anyone on that entire team. He's gone, so you lose two of your key stalwarts in the secondary, and then your top pass rusher in Jordan Jackson, who was an NFL draft pick. The good thing is you got Nagurski, uh, tro uh, trophy watch list candidate, outside linebacker Vince Sanford, who had not 17 TFLs last year and nine and a half sacks a year ago. Um, that's a good guy to have back to, that's done it before um, and got some numbers to back it up. So I, but I'm with you, Steve. I think finding a way to get pressure um, on the quarterback for a lot of teams that like to throw it around in that Mountain West Conference. And you mentioned uh, could be chilly going to Utah State on October the 8th. I think it could be a little chilly for Air Force because you remember last year, that's the team that basically kept Air Force out of that Mountain West Championship conference championship game is is getting up a tough one uh, I believe it was 38-35 last year is a close game against Utah State at home that they just let slip away late so uh, it's going to be should be a fun season out in Colorado Springs Mike let's take a turn let's go to the Naval Academy right now let's pivot over to Annapolis uh, coach Niamatololo's team uh, guys no question about it it's been two down seasons in Annapolis the midshipmen four and eight last year. They lost six of their first seven, uh, but they came back strong to win two straight to end the season. Of course, 
whenever you beat Army in that regular season finale, upsetting the Black Knights last year, 17-13, that's not going to hurt you going into the offseason. But no question about it, this is a Navy team that is trying to get this ship righted in the right direction. Certainly, I think I think when you look at Nia Matalolo, 15th year at Navy, I think at some point uh, after two, uh, three seasons out of four with, with four wins or less, you, you got to start asking yourself the hard questions. Uh, 15 seasons there, so you got to ask yourself, you know, if they, if they can't bounce back this year and get above 500, what does the future there at Navy look like? Uh, they, they have, obviously, out of the three academies, they have the hardest schedule of the three. If you look down their schedule, they, you know, they've got a really good uh, – well, they, they play in the American Athletic Conference, which to me is the six-power, six conference. They've got Memphis early on. Uh, you know, they play Air Force and Army as well. SMU uh, had a great season last year. Houston's going to throw the ball everywhere. Cincinnati, we know what Cincinnati did last year. And, oh, by the way, you also get Notre Dame as well. So it, it, when you look at trying to get five or six wins – uh, you, you're going to have to beat one or two of those teams. And I'm not really sure where that's going to come from. Uh, not only do they have that schedule, they're returning less than half the starters on both sides of the ball. So you're absolutely right, Price. It's going to be an uphill battle for the midshipmen this year. Yeah, and going, going to Cincinnati in November, that's going to be difficult, uh, you know, because it's, it's probably going to be chilly. Uh, and, and, and you didn't even mention, Mike, uh, UCF. Uh, who, of course, has always been uh, at the head of the pack in the, in the American Athletic Conference. And, you know, the, uh, those Knights fans will let you know that. Uh, so I, I, really, I really do think it's going to be a, a tough road uh, for the Middies this year. You know, after starting with uh, Delaware uh, here on Saturday at the Navy Marine Corps uh, Stadium in Annapolis, and, and I know that they have uh, – four of their first, uh, uh, I'm sorry, five of their first eight games are at home. So it, it's going to be uh, kind of a, a favorable schedule in that sense is that, you know, they, they've got a, a bunch of home games, but they're home games against a lot of very difficult teams. So uh, I don't think it's that much of an advantage for them this year. Going to 7-15 and 15 since uh, 2020 is, is very difficult for Coach Neil Matalolo. And, and I know that you know, one thing that the service academies do preach when it comes to their uh, their athletics is patience, especially in football. But at some point, the question has to be asked is, you know, do we need to make a turn at some point uh, to try and uh, and get this uh, this course corrected uh, in Annapolis? Well, it was a tumultuous year last year. There's no uh, other way to, you know, to to paint that because, you know, Ivan Jasper, the offensive coordinator, was fired uh, midseason. Was it after the Air Force game? Um, then the next week, uh, Coach Niamatololo goes and checks Gladchuk, the athletic director's office, and they have a sit-down powwow after Gladchuk made a unilateral decision to get rid of him immediately after the game. Then Jasper is brought back, not as OC, but as the quarterback coach. It was a temporary firing. You know, and for a team that what lost four games by a touchdown or less, including at Houston, at home to number two Cincinnati at the time and number 24 SMU, the schedule, I mean, at four and eight, the record looks really worse than it was, but there were a lot of strides that were made, especially off, off that COVID season when, 
you know, this was a Navy team that did no hitting. They did zero hitting. I know uh, lifting weights was something that they completely changed to try and minimize the number of guys that were in the weight room. And it showed during that COVID season. And I think that a lot of it carried over to last year, especially. But the coaches have talked about this year, they think it might be their most athletic team they've had in years. But also the staff saying, you know, basically since back to January that they have been back to normal preparing and, and getting back to that kind of normalcy that they have missed, that it's really made a big difference. We'll find that out soon enough, especially against Delaware at noon this Saturday uh, in Annapolis. But junior quarterback Ty Lavatai, I think that finally Navy, after two seasons, has finally settled on the guy because, you know, just like these other teams, especially like Army, Navy relying so much on that quarterback is, is, the, is the offense goes. It's all a matter of how that quarterback plays. And Ty Lavatai, who came in, I believe it was the third game of the season last year, and it was his team from then on, um, I think he gives them the best chance to win, especially his ability to throw the ball a little bit. Yeah, I think I think, I think Lavatai throwing the ball is going to be big because if you look at uh, the running game for Navy, it's not it, – it's almost the exact opposite of Air Force. You, know, you go uh, – the, uh, the Falcons ha- have big guys. Army has big guys. Uh, you know, behind the quarterback, you look at the guys that are all going to run the ball for, uh, for Navy this year. You look at Anton Hall, you look at Logan point, you look at Mike Mawai, they're all under 200 pounds. They're all, and they're all new and young. They're all new and young. They have zero proven ball carriers outside of Labatite. That is the biggest problem in question mark with this offense, Steve. Yeah. I I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. Is the fact that, you know, and, and it's going to cause it's going to make it's going to force uh, the midshipmen to throw the ball more, and that could be real interesting for a team that is set up to run the football to have to throw. Uh, that's that's another stumbling block that you that you're going to see. You know, especially early on, I I have a feeling that you're going to see a lot of throwing against Delaware on Saturday, just to just to iron out the 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 wrinkles. I, I think mm-hmm. that you've got to find some you got to do something in this FCS game before you start getting into some of these games, and especially once you get into conference play, uh, when you're going to see Air Force uh, as well, and then, of course, Army at the end. Got to figure it out early, because if you're, if you're still having these questions come October, uh, the midshipmen are in trouble. I'm curious, I'm curious for, uh, for you guys. You know, I, I, I was looking at, at some, of the, some of the guys that are actually not there this year. Most of these guys have graduate are mostly graduates but but how about the fact that johnny hodges um is going to be not there as he transferred to tcu uh, a guy that was going to be a senior so and, and that that's very interesting because you guys know this very well that once you get into your junior year you know you've got a you've got a commitment to make unless something yeah. unless something happens uh but he's now he's now at tcu uh, and that's a that's certainly a piece that uh, I'm sure that the defense is going to miss significantly. Yeah, that along with Johnny Hodges, Diego Fago, one of the best linebackers, middle linebackers that Navy has had in I'd say the maybe the last 20 years. He was a three-time All uh, AAC uh, selection, three straight seasons. Uh, Diego Fago spent some time with the Baltimore Ravens in the preseason this year. Um, I mean, he was that missile in the middle of the, the Navy yeah. defense. Uh, basically, as reliable as you can get, 
Um, they, they weren't great on takeaways last year. They only had 16 sacks, a little bit like airports. You're going to have to find a way to get some pressure uh, this year. But they were better on defense, six starters back. But losing really a heart and soul at linebacker, that's going to make – that's going to be a big difference. And, you know, Brian Newberry, who they brought in at defensive coordinator a couple of years ago from Kennesaw State to kind of bring – get rid of that bend but don't break defensive mentality, go into a little bit more like Army has played the last several years, really an attacking, playmaking style of defense. Can they continue to build on that? Because they did get better last year, even at 4-8. and eight, I believe they were top 50 in total defense. But – Boy, you got some big holes to fill, even with six starters back and at linebacker. It's going to be mighty tough. But on all, I just go back to offense, too, guys. I mean, you lose your top four fullback slot backs. You know, outside of Labatai, who can throw the ball, their backup quarterback, Xavier Arline, he can't throw it worth a lick. I'm still surprised they haven't moved him to slot back with his athleticism. I mean, he was a fantastic – I mean, he was an elite lacrosse player recruited out of high school. I thought they would have moved Xavier Arline to at least get the ball in his hands, maybe get him on the field more. If Labatai goes down early in the season, boy, a, a, a season that could be in question for Navy, this thing could go from tough to really bad really, really quickly. You know, one of the, I was looking at their schedule again. One of the things that, that lines up against them is they get their bye week in week three. So you get Delaware and then Memphis – and then you get a bye week, so you only got two two games of film to look at. Maybe you know where you're at after the Memphis game. Maybe you don't. Memphis is kind of where they at since Mike Norville left a couple years ago. But then you rattle off all uh, you rattle off nine straight games after that, and we we kind of went down through all the opponents they're gonna they're gonna see. You're gonna get Houston, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and UCF in week five, six, eight, nine of that nine straight week stretch. So you you, you kind of talked about the depth after losing five of their top seven uh, tacklers from last year. And you, you potentially talked about, you know, what happens if Ty Lavatag goes down. Uh, you know, you got that nine-week stretch there where, where you're just going to have to do what Navy does in the past and just bring some guy out of the stands to quarterback for you. That worked out pretty well for him at that point, but uh, that's not a system that you want to kind of rely on over and over again. I still have some eligibility. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I remember, I remember when a guy named Malcolm Perry was brought out of the stands. I believe nope. it was one of the first games of the season. Literally was standing in his uh, dress whites. Uh, and quarterback, got, they got so many guys dinged up. He comes out and the rest is history. So it's been done before. I just know that if Navy gets behind and they have a rough start to the season, when you have to finish basically the month of November at number 23, Cincinnati, against Notre Dame on a neutral site at UCF, and then, of course, Army to finish regular season. Boy, that is no <laughs> that is no way to mess around in the month of November. You better get it in, in the first two months of the season if you're the Naval Academy. All right, guys, uh, let's turn the page. Let's power rankings. We've done these the past several years. I like to do them, you know, kind of getting out of the gate. And, and basically at the end of every month, beginning of every month, I know we're not ranking 25 teams, folks, but we've got three teams. It's more – I guess it's really kind of a guessing game uh, with only three teams, how we want to stack them up, three, two, one. Um, you guys, brand new here, tell me which way you go with your kind of power rankings going from three down to one with these three teams. Can I rank Navy four? Uh, I think the Merchant <laughs> Marine. I think the Merchant Marine Academy would give them a run for their money. They've they've got they've got some serious things <laughs> to deal with. Can I can I rank them? You got them? that right. I mean I mean I mean obvious to me obviously Navy is three and it's a distant three. Like if you could put yeah if you could put teams in between 
Army, Air Force, and Navy, I would because Navy mm-hmm. is significantly uh, behind both the Falcons uh, and the Knights. Um, and, and really, I'm going to go uh, top two uh, based on, you know, the way that their schedule, uh, you know, plays out right now. You look at their strength of schedule. You've got Army just ahead of Air Force uh, mm-hmm. in the ESPN strength of schedule index. So uh, I'm going to go with Army as one, and then Air Force is two, and then, like, the Merchant Marine Academy Maybe the, <laughs> the Citadel. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not putting the Citadel ahead of Navy. I'm. I'm, I'm playing there. But uh, yeah, I would. I would say it's. It's easy. Uh, Army, Air Force, Navy. All right, Mike, you're up. For me, right now, I would put Army at one, Air Force at two. When Hazik Daniels and Brad Roberts come back and they get into their groove, I actually think it would be Air Force one, Army two. We'll see. We'll see there in Arlington. They'll meet again. And uh, we'll let them settle that on the field uh, there in November in Arlington. But but today, uh, if they play today, I think Army one, Air Force two, Navy three. When Hazik and uh, Hazik Daniels and Brad Roberts come back, I think Air Force has a slight edge on that. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm exactly 100% lockstep with you there. Um, I I do think that right now, I mean, there's no question, Navy you know, clear cut number three, but. You know, I think Air Force, I, I'd have, I have two and Army one simply because the last year, the results, you know, going head to head. I think that the fact that that game will be in early November, you get Daniels and Roberts back. I think that changes the game. Just how effective they might, they might be still coming off an injury. We'll find out. I think that game is still almost a coin flip, a field goal at least as we sit here getting ready to kick this thing off, I think it's a field goal either way. I mean, my goodness, that one of the best football games I watched, you were there last year, Mike. I mean, one of the best games I watched on TV, uh, it doesn't matter the conference. I mean, that was a fantastic football game between those two teams. I think it's going to be exactly the same. But right now, I got to go Army. They're still on top. They've got the commander-in-chief trophy. You got to keep – I, I got to have them one, uh, you know, to start the year in our power ranking. So Army, Air Force, and then Navy – for me. All right, guys, let's pop out of here. Folks, if this is your first time listening here, we're going to be right back, but we're going to come back. Our Travis Mannion Foundation honor roll segment, the Travis Mannion Foundation, uh, in the words of Travis himself, if not me, then who? Uh, Those were the words that Travis spoke before deploying that final time before he unfortunately gave the ultimate sacrifice serving our country in Operation Desert Storm. Every single week, we'll honor a member, a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice uh, here to wrap up Yards and Stripes. So we'll do that Travis Manion Foundation honor roll segment when we come back, and then we'll wrap it up uh, with Steve Carney and then Mike Lovell, myself, Bryce Atkinson, in the final segment to get you ready for kickoff on Saturday, the opening weekend of college football coming up this weekend. But next, our Travis Manion Foundation honor roll segment. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. The Travis Manion Foundation 
is empowering veterans and families of fallen heroes to develop character in future generations of Americans across the country. And in the words Travis spoke, if not me, then who? And we're going to remember every single week here uh, a fallen hero, someone that has given the ultimate sacrifice in the Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment. You've heard this podcast before. You've heard us do this segment. Well, it's continuing on this season, which we will do at the end of every podcast, remembering a fallen hero who has given that ultimate sacrifice for our country. And this week, uh, we're going to remember Matthew G. Axelson, a native of Cupertino, California, uh, was a member of the United States Navy and the Navy SEALs. And he gave the ultimate sacrifice on June the 28th in 2005 when he was on a mission to capture or kill a high-level militia leader, uh, was wounded, continued to fire, and help his group of Navy SEALs who were spotted. They continued to fight off numerous opposing forces. Uh, Again, he was a native of Cupertino, California, a Navy SEAL, uh, Navy sonar technician, surface second class. He was remembered uh, by one of his uh, SEAL teammates uh, as a quiet man who led by example, loved to play golf, and showed quickly at SEAL training that he was just simply a cut above. In a quote from one of his colleagues and Navy SEAL mates, quote, no matter how hard I worked at something, he was better. Very rarely would you see him upset. And Matthew G. Axelson, uh, who attended San Diego State briefly, uh, then went on to graduate with a degree in political science from Cal State Chico, Uh, was awarded the Navy Cross in 2006 and received multiple other U.S. military decorations, including the Purple Heart, the Navy and Marine Corps Commendation Medal, uh, Combat Action Ribbon, and just honestly so many others uh, that he was awarded uh, posthumously. Uh, survived by his wife, Cindy, and he was honored through the Travis Manion Foundation's Character Does Matter program. Um, So again, we take the time to, to step back and remember folks that have given that ultimate sacrifice, and not just them, but also their family members who who continue to move forward and put one foot in front of the other as hard as every day is. So this week, we remember Matthew G. Axelson, part of the Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment. And once again, if you want to get involved with the Travis Mannion Foundation, you can do so. Check them out online, travismannion.org. Right now, they are getting ready for their 9-11 Heroes runs, which are going on across the country in a community near you. You can sign up, register uh, to run for a loved one. Remember one of your uh, family members who has uh, served in the United States military. Uh, you can do that again at travismanion.org. Lots more information about how to get involved and especially sign up for a 9-11 Heroes run near you. Travis Mannion Foundation's 9-11 Heroes Run 5K Race Series unites communities across the country and around the world to honor the sacrifices of September 11th and the war since. Join your community this September and register to run, walk, or rock by visiting 911heroesrun.org. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. All right. Final segment of Yards and Strikes, your home for Service Academy football. Episode one here, getting you ready for the 2022 college football season as we are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast network. Again, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, at Yards and Stripes. Download, listen, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your weekly college football podcast. Just search Yards and Stripes and hit that subscribe button. We will be delivered right to 
whatever device, computer, wherever it is, whatever it is that you listen to podcasts on every single week. Again, I'm Price Atkinson, joined by Mike Lovall and Steve Carney. That will be all season long as we talk Army, Navy, and Air Force. And we're going to talk about these opening games kickoff this weekend on Saturday to get ready to open the 2022 season. All three teams in action. And, guys, let's start in Annapolis. The midshipmen welcoming Delaware uh, just up the road. They're going to become the Blue Hens coming to Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium for a 12 noon kickoff on CBS Sports Network. I think the last line we've seen 15 and a half points, guys. I, I, I dare if I want to call an upset, but I think Navy's going to be fired up. I think they're going to find a way and not be upset by the neighboring Blue Hens. I think Navy's going to get off the snide and get a win to open the season. What say you all? Price, I agree. If you look back at last year, remember Navy came out in the first game of the season against Marshall last year, pretty much late well, yeah. egg. I think I think this coaching staff is going to put a lot of focus on this to come out crisp, come out sharp, and make a statement on game one. I, I take Navy, and uh, I'd have them to cover that too. Yeah, we talked about all the um, all the holes that the the midshipmen have, but this is still. Uh, a FBS team going up against an FCS team, and you're going to see the difference uh, in quality of play between these two, between these two teams. And I look at it as you know, Delaware is not uh, like the other teams in the American Athletic Conference. It's not like all the, the the teams in the Mountain West or or the teams that Army plays as an independent. They don't have to, or they don't they don't normally prepare for a, for an option offense. And I think that's going to be the big key for them um, going forward here is that they're going to have to deal with the triple option. And I, I have a feeling that they're going to have their struggles uh, against Navy. So, yeah, I would, uh, even though 15 and a half is a lot for a team that, you know, the three of us all think that, you know, could go three and nine or four mm-hmm. and ten this year. Um, yeah, I would. I would be. I, I'm not willing to to pick up uh, 15 and a half uh, there to take Delaware. All right, our next game: Air Force hosting the Northern Iowa Panthers, a 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff from Falcon Stadium. Air Force 25 and 0 all time, uh, opening the season against FCS teams. They've won 15 straight uh, season openers. Right now, the line, latest we've seen, 15 points. Um, Troy Calhoun, typically, he's, he, let's just say and put it mildly, likes to play coy with the media early in the season, not tip his hand on, on what's going on, has not done that. Shockingly, uh, leading up to this one on Saturday, um, a 15-point uh, spread, going to be on the Altitude Network, again, a 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 11 a.m. local kickoff at Falcon Stadium between Air Force and Northern Iowa. I like Air Force to, to continue that streak of uh, season openers over FCS teams. I think they're going to get it done. I think they'll cover uh, 15 on Saturday. I see, I see, and I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of on the fence on this one, mostly because Northern Iowa is known for taking guys that were Division One, you know, moving down to FCS that you don't have to worry about sitting out and dealing with the transfer portal. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you look at it, they have uh, their quarterback, Theo Day, just transferred uh, from Michigan State. So he's, he's coming from a Big Ten school. 
their senior running back, Dom Williams, was from a Big 12 school in Kansas. So I, I think Northern Iowa, even though they may not be uh, the strongest team in the Missouri Valley Conference, I, I, I would probably, you know, I, I would certainly not lay the 15 and a half here as I would have with Navy and Delaware. Mm-hmm. So, so while I think that Air Force is going to win, I think it's probably going to be close to that 15 and a half point uh, number. And I would, I would certainly look at uh, trying to pick up the other way. Mike? I'm with, I'm with Steve. I think Air Force wins this. Uh, you know, if I, if I had to, if, if I had to miss a bit on, on the three games this week, this is the one I would, uh, this is the one I would miss. If I had, if you forced me, I'd say they win by more than 15, but I don't think it's going to be a lot more than 15. Uh, three touchdowns tops. Interesting. And let's, let's get to our final game. I think what's no doubt about it of the three games that we've got Saturday, I think there's no question that this is the best one. Uh, Army, the Black Knights traveling down uh, to the Grand Strand here in South Carolina. They're going to take on the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, a 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff on ESPN+. Guys, the last line I've seen, I believe, Coastal giving two and a half. Whew, this is going to be a good one. My gut says that Coastal is going to get it done uh, and win this one down there. I know, you know, you, you can't couple seasons together, but Grayson McCall coming back for a quarterback for the Shants put up some gaudy numbers last year. Army's got some guys back in the secondary, especially uh, Andre Carter II, who's, you know, could play havoc in the backfield uh, of Coastal Carolina. I just think on that teal field, you know, a lot of momentum that Jamie Chadwell's team built last year. I think Army going on the road is going to be super hot down there in Myrtle Beach, you know, for the, even at night, muggy. It's been muggy all week. I think it's supposed to continue into the weekend. I think Coastal's going to find a way to slow Army down uh, and pull this one out. Yeah, I, I, tend to, I tend to agree. It's going to be close. Uh, I think the two and mm-hmm. a half is probably right. I think this is, this is going to be a field goal game, and, mm-hmm. and, and you're looking at special teams being the difference but between these two clubs. I, I think Andre Carter II, uh, if, if, he, if he comes <laughs> out with a monster game, the Black Knights have a shot. Uh, I think that uh, that he he's the type of player that can overcome uh, a uh, shaky special teams effort. But uh, I, I think that uh, Coastal is is a very, very good team uh, in a surprising up and coming conference. And, and I certainly think that uh, they have the skills to to pull this off. So I, I agree with you. I think this is probably a field goal. I think that the odds makers have this one right on the right on the number. I've been going back and forth on this one. Here's what here's what I kind of landed on: Coastal two straight seasons, eleven wins. This is Jamie Chadwell's season to to to, to determine whether or not Coastal is a program that's going to stay at this level, or if they just had a couple of good years. They only returned seven starters total: four on offense, three on defense. So I I, I really think. That should be considered. Has Grayson McCall had enough time in the spring and fall ball to fall camp to really get his time and get and get his get his rhythm down with his new receivers and his new running backs? And three of the five offensive linemen for Coastal Carolina are all brand new. We talked mm-hmm. about Army's defensive line. We talked about Andre Carter. I've been going back and forth on this one, but but I'm going to land on. I think Army goes in, gets the win. 
come homes one and, comes home one and zero uh, after coming down to uh, South Carolina and uh, taking care of the Roosters. Nice. Ooh, that would be an upset. I think that would get some people's attention around the coast, uh, the country. As you remember, Coastal was a, a darling uh, last year in college football, especially boy that BYU game. That was a good one, um, and I love that when they just got that game together uh, on the spur of the moment the week of. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Guys, it's been fun uh, getting ready for Service Academy football this season. I, I'm, you know, fired up for kickoff on Saturday. I know I'm speaking for both you guys is, is we're all ready for some football. I know we got a little taste of it last weekend, but it really begins in earnest uh, this weekend. Don't forget, folks, I mean, we're part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Uh, Steve, chime in, help me out a little bit here, but what, SEC, Pac-12, you name it, we've got you covered on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. There's something for everybody. Absolutely. We've got uh, Power Five, all the Power Five. We've also got uh, guys that are doing podcasts uh, specifically. We've got a a Notre Dame podcast. We've got one uh, about Alabama and one uh, that's dedicated to the state of Florida. So, uh, but yeah, check out uh, college football, or excuse me, the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm gonna screw it up a lot this year. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely check it out uh, on uh, on social media, and uh, you can catch it uh, at Yards and Stripes on on Twitter as well, and Facebook. Yeah, at yard at Yards and Stripes on Twitter and Facebook, and and I would be remiss real quick on our way out the door. Uh, if I didn't both, number one, thank you guys for, for joining on to the Yards and Stripes team uh, with me this year. I'm really excited to do this with you guys all season, but, but also uh, to thank you all both for your service uh, to the country uh, serving in the military. So, Mike, uh, love all, Steve Carney, uh, a big thank you, uh, not just for me, but I know for, for all of our listeners right now who has either, you know, you know, got a relative that's serving or has served. Um, might have a, a young man, young woman that might be at one of our academies right now, uh, but your service does not go unnoticed. And it's always uh, a good time to, to thank somebody like you uh, who, is, uh, who has protected our freedoms, because as we know, freedom is not free. So uh, welcome aboard to Yards and Stripes, Steve and Mike, and it's great to have you guys with us this season. Looking forward to it, Price. Yes, thank you, Price. All right, guys, we will talk to you again next week again. Every Tuesday, we will be dropping a new episode of Yards and Stripes on Tuesday. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your college football podcast. Download, listen, Yards and Stripes, especially if you're uh, an iPhone user. uh, Apple Podcasts, right there at your fingertips. Just search Yards and Stripes and hit that subscribe button, and you will have a new episode brought to you every single Tuesday during the college football season. But for Steve Carney, Mike Lovell, I'm Price Atkinson. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you again. Enjoy the games this weekend. Join us again next time for Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. To get more on all things Service Academy Football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And make sure that you're subscribing to the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts.